Don't get off until you cough. You don't get off until you cough. Don't get off until you cough. Don't get off until you cough. Until you cough. Talking about weed, folks. Hey, everybody. I don't know what you're we talking sure were. about. The weird thing about this podcast is we never really know how to start it. There's always... We're, we're, I, I always like, oh, we'll try banter. and... Uh, we'll and banter. Just, yeah. I rely on my personality. Yeah. No, okay, we... Have. Well, so, note... No, I'm just kidding. Ah! <laughs> well, if I will say, have just seen my face. I will say, in two and a half hours, I do have to be at another screening of F9, the Fast Saga. <gasps> That's so, been so have much you not fun. seen it? You've, I thought you oh, saw another it. screening. You said another. Oh, another <laughs> third. Okay, this is, this is my. Th- I'm finishing the trilogy. I got to see it three times. It's too. All good. right, I'm gonna go back to Harley Quinn. I've been watching the ever loving fuck out of that series and it oh the uh, animated so hbo series yes it's i don't fantastic. even do dc yeah it's really good nice. scott what are you watching right now nothing oh, oh. he watches bring it on the musical on youtube <laughs> loop yeah. on loop and just, up. and just and, and fury masturbates just, just, just <laughs> oh, god no okay. just angry just angry <laughs> no that's not hey, true i absolutely uh, don't um, I, 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 I hope just, there's no new listeners on this episode because that'd be weird because this is part two. But now that you know who we really are, uh, welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And each week we get together, we discuss, we debate, we disseminate. The evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their works. Now, macro this is, means I'm big. CJ. Yeah, macro's big. Good job, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> and this is part two of our mini series covering the works of Len Manuel Miranda. That's right, it's Freestyle Podcast Supreme, mm-hmm. part two. Now, last time we talked about In the Heights, we got to talk about the movie and the show. We got to talk a little bit about Bring It On, the musical exclamation point. The movie and the show. Movie and the show. Uh, <laughs> and this time, we're going to focus in on one show in particular that is uh, near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, I think. I think this has really uh, brought a lot of people to musical theater, and uh, it's an exciting one to talk about. But while we're talking about it, there's something else we all three read. Am I correct that we all three read the other play? Yes. Yeah, read through it. Read through it. Okay, we also all uh, explored... The play by Ishmael I'm Reed. By that response, Scott. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, the Haunting of Lin Manuel Miranda, which was interesting. Um, kind of just almost like historical lectures turned into a play, but it's 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 interesting, and it's I yeah. think it's worth talking about. So we're going to definitely discuss it. We're not going to give it the full time that we would these other three plays. They're not by Lin. Um, in fact, it's kind of against Lin in a lot of ways. So Trav suggested we read that, right? He did. Um, I had heard about it. I had had a few people talk to me about it. 
Um, he had said, I have a copy. Would you like to borrow? I said, absolutely. So I grabbed it from him. Um, hi, Trav. Thanks, Trav. Yeah, uh, thanks, Trav. We also found it on Scribbit. Scribbed? Whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Uh, oh, I, I, I say both. Scribbed. Is it Scribbed? Scribbed. I mean, the way it's Ta- written, Shakespeareanly be Scribbed. Scribbed. <laughs> yes. Um, I like scribbed. It's solid. Um, so. But scribbed's fun. Scribbed's nice though in your mouth. Yeah, it's nice <laughs> my mouthfeel. But <laughs> which also means it feels good in your uh, in your butt. But it's a okay. good butt feel. Good butt feel. So I'm. Uh, I, I, I'm. I think we should talk about it a little bit, though. I think it's worth discussing. Um, but we're not going to give it the time that we've given these other shows. I'm interested um, to hear what y'all think of it. Yeah, I have interesting thoughts. I mean, I'm excited to see what you guys think as well. But why don't we get into this final show? Uh, Scott, what is this last show? I've never heard of it. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton? Got it. Hamilton. It's about... Hamilton. It's Hamilton. It's about a young... Oh, Milton. 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 Ah, Milton. Ah, uh, Milton. It's Hamilton, or an, uh, Hamilton, an American musical, I believe, is the full title. Okay, we okay. Often, we often forget about the, yeah. the rest of that title. It sounds a bit like a, a small Shire-esque place where Mark Hamill and his family reside. <laughs> Hamilton. Uh, I want to live in Hamilton. They Ham- live in the Hamilton. Hamilton. you got to say the L a little extra. The Hamilton Hills. Yeah. I bet there's porgs there. Oh, I bet there are. Porgs and gorgs. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, what are y'all's... Here's the thing. So, dis... okay. We, I mean, we got to start here. Hamilton might be the biggest musical of all time, question mark? Definitely. Well, I mean, certain, certainly in the past decade. And yeah. Certainly this century. Money-wise, maybe. Certainly in this century. For sure, money-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Ticket sales maybe might yeah. be the number one musical of all time. Maybe besides like Phantom. Phantom well, like- and I, I mean like also like I, 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 this is me honestly having no idea compared to Wicked. I felt like Wicked was out there sure. for fucking ever. That's true. And Wicked Avenue has some years. Q, rent. Like. Yeah. yeah. I think. I don't yeah, think I Avenue think Q has sold as well. This is me genuinely not knowing. No, yeah. I think it just, uh, th- it was, you know, it was a pop culture phenomenon and if you don't believe just ask anybody involved with it like they'll yeah. tell you um, <laughs> no I don't mean it no, that hey, way I mean yeah. but uh, because the cast is extraordinary and they all should absolutely be proud uh, you know the, the the biggest thing and I l- love it I have mm-hmm. a myriad of issues in and around it the hype was a bit absurd Absurd. Um, before I had seen it, I had only heard the, the cast recording until I saw it last year on Disney Plus because I just didn't have the money to go see it. Um, and my quote was always, when this show is done and the curtain falls, I should feel like my soul is getting a blowjob and I'm a different human being. That's how intense the hype was, that I should be altered in some fundamental way as a person. So it was never going to really succeed. It was never going to achieve those things. Um, that being said, it's it's a stunning achievement in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of criticism that is valid. Um, well, before you we can throw take it this but, too yeah, hard. Absolutely. absolutely. Before we deep dive is what I meant. I said deep dick. I meant deep dive. <laughs> we know what you we know what you meant. <laughs> Before our dicks are too deep into this thing. Hey, um I 
I have I have one thing to say. Yeah. Um, oh. CJ, I've been watching you uh, these past few weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I just, I think you have a beautiful soul, but I, your mind, it's, it's creeping into this, this dark area where I think you might be having a. CJ's breakdown. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. I'm. That might have been rude, but I think you're having one of your CJ's breakdowns. Thank Can you, you for asking. Isn't that what the rest of this podcast is for? for yeah, this is an intervention. Okay. An intervention. <laughs> an emotional intervention. Okay. Yeah. No, break uh, it down. A musicalized, dramatized, and sunny account of the life and career of Alexander Hamilton and his fellow dudes, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Hercules Mulligan, and other folks like that. And other folks like that. Other <laughs> folks like that. That's pretty much it. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, so this is something that uh, there was a book, right? I forget who it was by. What was his name? Oh, one second, and I'll find oh, it. Oh, it's, it's in it's, friggin' it's, oh, Ch- Chernow, Chernow, Ron yeah, Chernow. Ron is that right? Chernow. Ron, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He wrote and the Hamilton a, biography. Yeah. <clears throat> I was uh, just gonna. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say. I didn't mean to interrupt it. it. I think that that is the root of a single set of problems there seems yes. to be a there seems to be four sort of categories of problems that people have dealt with and right. most of the historic stuff comes from that he read one book and then did it based on a single book right and that's 100 pages 800 page book yeah but that is also <laughs> sort of the funny criticism side of of Ishmael Reed's play which ends up being sort of like Lynn's the way that he basically explains away everything is by being like, yeah, but Chernow says, and that's kind of the, the joke throughout haunting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Chernow at first was a little skeptical about making this into a musical. He, uh, just didn't feel like this was something that, uh, would make sense. But after meeting with Miranda, who really stressed, um, that he wanted it to be taken seriously by historians, um, which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, and he asked Chernow to help him develop the script and Chernow ended up um, sort of feeling better about it. And uh, once he heard the first song, I guess, is sort of what sold it to him. Um, and apparently this Chernow man has seen the show dozens of times and has always paid for it. So mm. <laughs> he must really like it, uh, seeing his work up on stage. But th- I think that's what you mean, Scott, is that it's it's kind of his work. It's not, it, it might be historical, but it's not um, based on a text that wasn't already researched by another person. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, three steps away from reality. Right. And like, you know, it's a very complicated thing talking about any of the founding fathers and any of that, that period of history, because it was filtered and they were put on pedestals and they were made into gods. And then, then sort of late 20th century comes this movement of hold on these none of these dudes were living fucking gods they were all human beings that all had insane flaws and we need to address and look at that through that filter or it doesn't mean anything what's happened in the 21st century is we need to look back at these 
people through the filter of real people, i.e. slaves and Native Americans and people who yeah. were owned and exploited and women uh, and all that. Although women, Abigail Adams, arguably, and, and many others had voices that could at least be looked at via letters and that sort of thing. But yeah, that, that, that was my point was that he, he decided that he was going to base it on a book and he didn't quite realize that there were going to be a lot of historians that went, "Mm, I don't agree with that book. And so you're going to be, you're putting yourself in a fucked up position. Right. Absolutely. And you know, uh, a, a lot of people, you know, we should just get it out there right in the forefront. A lot of people have problems with the, as you said in the last episode, Scott, sort of the Obama era thinking of the way that this is white. Everything's fixed now. Yeah. <laughs> because, we fixed racism, everybody. Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> and this is a lot of what Ishmael Reed is dealing with, and, and I figure his name will come up a few more times. But He's it, got a fantastic quote that I'll throw out in a second. I was yeah, just absolutely. Like, oh. It's just... <clears throat> Sure. His, whole, his whole thing is basically that this it, it it's whitewashing it to a point of like you know like the Schuyler family were were slave owners you know and um he had a really early and this uh might be the quote that you're thinking of Scott well tell me your quote so I don't ruin it but what was your quote my quote was uh folks been dressing up black kids as George Washington for school plays for forever and I'm tired of this shit and mm-hmm. basically that the idea that you would put a black man as George Washington would be the same as putting a Jewish person as Hitler or Goebbels or anything mm. else. Right. Um, exactly. And so, yeah, that what we and what, what was celebrated at the time as being innovative and being groundbreaking, that you were going to have this rainbow and not white people in this show uh, just quickly came and passed. It di- it did break ground. It was it it shook people up. I don't know of any. I'm sorry to go on a rant like this and a digression like this, but like, I don't know any casting director, director, theater, film, or otherwise who, after Hamilton, that was not foremost in their mind. Was I have to think about casting in a different way, and right. in that way, yes, celebrate, rejoice. Also, super just cool. rejoice the super talent of those people who, especially, are that you can see in the Disney Plus thing. Um, but it quickly, it, it, that was an actually. Forgive me if I if I sound reductive. That was an easy fix. It was an easy step to take in the reckoning that we as America need to have with representation and diversity. Um, it was just like oh. Oh, you can do that? Cool, let's just do that. And, you know, now we need to start getting into the other layers. And I think that's what what Reed does so well in his commentary is get into those new layers. Right. And I guess we should just we should just upfront talk about the Reed play real quick. I mean, I maybe let's just get into that real quick because really he starts out uh he writes in the magazine Counterpunch. Uh Ishmael Reed writes uh, in the August 2015 edition of Counterpunch, uh, the name of his actual critique was Hamilton the Musical, Black Actors Dress Up Like Slave Traders, and It's mm-hmm. Not Halloween. Right. So right away he <laughs> That's was That's a really good it. title. It is, but he, he, he already was, he was coming for this before people had even seen this thing yet. Right. right. He was ready to- He hadn't even seen it. it yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he hadn't but seen he, it. He he accuses Lynn of whitewashing Hamilton's role as a slave owner, 
um, and his tr literal, like, true involvement in the genocide of Native people of America. Mm -hmm. So, and everyone in that, but every main character, in absolutely, one hundred percent. And which I think, on one hand, what he's saying is like, this is so irresponsible because you had the chance to tell this story, sort of. And, and and my take is, again, it's kind of what I was saying about In the Heights, where, like, it shouldn't have to be the thing that represents everything. Sure. There should be 10 more musicals like this at, on Broadway at any given moment that mm. could be telling us that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm -hmm. sort of like, like, it's unfortunate that they just this haven't is... really been let in yet. I mean, you know, right, it's, right. it's happening. So, of course, like, stuff like this is getting the weight of. And maybe that means more material is going to come out that does a little bit. And that's the hope. Work. Right. That's yeah. the hope is that we get so much more of this. And, and unfortunately, because of the way things are structured right now, uh, Lin-Manuel is having to be part of a whitewashed system and, uh, to get his things heard sure. at all. Sure. And that sucks. And that's an uphill battle that I hate for him, no matter where he came from or what his his background is, I think, you know, it's it's a tough thing to have the weight of of everyone <laughs> yeah. feeling like you need to be the voice of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, a lot. Um, it's and, tough. And, and it's also such a uniquely fucking American thing. Look at this exciting achievement, this insane achievement. Let's rip it the fuck down. You know, um, sure. we do this again and again and again. And I think there's a difference between the, there's there's people that want to rip this down. There are people who are like, how dare you t talk disparagingly about Hamilton? And then there's yeah. people, I think we fall into this category going, the criticism is absolutely valid. We should talk about the criticism. We should levy it. Um, we should ask to fix it um, or demand that it be fixed in in a cultural sense, not the, the show itself. Right. Um, yeah, all of that's valid. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, there's like I said, there's there seems to be so many tracks. There's and it's amazing that how many people of color, especially, have gotten work from this show. I, the, mm -hmm. I, my uh, uh, my Seymour from my little shop from a few years ago. Uh, right after doing Seymour, uh, went on to do Hamilton and played the Anthony Ramos part. Uh, Philip and whoever uh, else cool. he plays. Super cool. Yeah, and he and he uh, like did that up until the pandemic. Had a job, had an awesome job up until the pandemic, touring and seeing America, d d doing theater. Like that's phenomenal. Hamilton created that for so many people. Like I will mm -hmm. never talk down about that side of it. It's giving sure. roles. The the fucked up side of it though that we all that I think we've been pointing at is that that it shouldn't be such a phenomenon. It it should be that that's always the case, that there are always that many people of color getting roles that can constantly be on tour. Like, exactly. it shouldn't take one show exactly. to do it. That's fucked up. Right, right. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, all that to say. Uh, Ishmael Reed's play is interesting. Uh, basically, it's about Lynn manuel Miranda. He's the main character. He takes some Ambien. CJ, did you have a... Breakdown I have a wee break breakdown for let's, this. Let's break it down, but let's not spend too much time. CJ, do the thing. Yeah. Break it down! 
CJ's breakdown. After taking Ambien gifted by his agent, LMM is visited by the spirits of Washington and Hamilton and spirits representing those who speak for those who were left out by his musical, including enslaved Africans, Native Americans, a white indentured servant, and Harriet Tubman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, so what are y'all's <laughs> thoughts on this? You said you, said you kind of half skimmed it right scott i skimmed it i read a lot about it um honestly so here's the thing i i support and am behind all of his criticism um it's just not a very good play i I read a, a review an interesting review of it that was like yeah right on man here's the problem is that you've you've you, you've sought to attack this big, huge cultural event and you didn't do it very well. It, it's, it doesn't resonate. You, you've, you've lost the battle of media in terms of the play itself. There's a lot of interesting thing in here, but it is, um, I found it very didactic. Like, ah, I got yeah. it. I got it. Like he, in reading like the intro to the script and reading some of his articles, which I spent a little bit more time on, that was more impactful for me than yeah. this attempt. And it was like, you it's could, sort of, it, it was just so straight ahead without like uh, really great drama for me right unfortunately this isn't a play it it's it's a bunch of like historical lectures sort of being told at you with some wit thrown in between for dialogue but he wanted the reason he made it a play which i can understand is he's like well hamilton's a play there should be a counter narrative play totally totally text that can you know his quote is um the haunting was made to be a counter narrative to the text that has been distributed to thousands of students throughout the the country um so i think his idea is like well if if this many kids are learning now hamilton and like reading the alexander hamilton biography now that's like being given out in schools now because hamilton was such a big deal he's like well there should be countertext there should be something yes. that is able to be against it and and it might as well be a play since this thing is a play and i can get behind that um yeah what were your I, thoughts on this siege i read it all the way through and i i enjoyed it like i I think I'm in such a podcasty documentary type of mode right now that kind of learning because clearly he read some biographies and some history and stuff and laid a lot of facts out that I was really into it. But like it's it's kind of like you said, Bailey, it, it reminded me of like people that are just trying to kind of fill people in or right the wrongs like the 1619 yeah. project or exterminate all the brutes on HBO, which is fucking right. awesome y'all i mean it's i i I love hamilton i've loved it since i heard about it and it's great but i think it's all it's it's also just good to know the reality of the situation too and i feel this man i mean i think i also appreciated it too because i felt this man's frustration through the whole thing and that's the thing we all feel that thing when we watch if even if it's just crap on television, you know, right. like I but felt that and I was there with him. The problem that. I kind yeah. of the the unfortunate journey I went on while reading it is I started thinking about that, like that frustration. I started thinking about when I go see 
when we do serial killers and there's a sketch or when I go to Fringe and I see a play where I can tell the playwright has a vendetta. The playwright is very frustrated about something Mm -hmm. and they are so frustrated about it that they are just like, I'm just going to be completely on the nose about it and just say it out loud. I don't always love that kind of theater. I would rather you hide it in metaphors, you know, put the pill in the peanut butter. I don't need to fucking taste it. I just, I think also, especially when it comes to this subject matter with our history, I just think I'm also just like, I, I just, it was a good reminder to me that it's like, no matter how much work you do or how much you talk or how many articles you read, there's always more work to do. Yeah. And that's, that was another just positive thing that I got out of the show as well. Yeah. I, I was curious if, and I mean, obviously it hasn't been nearly as big as Hamilton. Has there been any kind of public response to this? Does, has Lynn read it and responded to it? Like, I don't know. I, I was just curious. If- I, I couldn't find, I, I went looking for that and I couldn't find a thing i mean yeah it just got like really mixed reviews like for the most part people were like yeah we agree okay move on like that's kind of how most people felt and i i don't i i agree i also didn't find anything where lynn was commenting on it or anything i don't know if that exists but unfortunately i think it is easy for people to read a play like this and then just be like yeah i agree fuck hamilton and then completely cancel hamilton i don't think you can i think hamilton is now part of the ether and you shouldn't you shouldn't also because it and and my friend uh, Robinson ends. Robinson uh, is a novelist uh, in Wichita, Kansas. He's phenomenal. He writes fantasy novels and uh, uh, teaches uh, writing at Wichita State. He's a uh, womb to tomb friend. Somebody I've known since uh, our our mo- mothers were were uh, pregnant together. So teaching, oh teaching in the same so classroom. You mentioned him <laughs> before. I teaching in the same classroom. He's a great guy. Um, he put it to me perfectly. He was like, I understand all the problems. And this is kind of what Scott said earlier. I understand all of the problems. Unfortunately, I cannot deny the genius that is the construction of the the this musical the songs the lyricism the wordplay the things that he's doing here the way that he trusts the audience to keep up is kind of fucking i mean that's that's brave Mm -hmm. it's brave and it it it's like when i watched it again last night i was like my god like there's i noted that there was a period in act one where he covers roughly 15 years of history yeah. in about five minutes of like, just like he's inundating you with information, but that information is being relayed in an entertaining, engaging fucking way. And how many people know who Alexander, like, that's the thing. Most right. people didn't know who Alexander Hamilton right. was before this. He's an insanely important figure in America and not for all the good reasons. And here's the here's the kicker. And the one thing the thing that kind of occurred to me in looking at the differences between In the Heights, the musical and the movie, they're going to make a movie of this. I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea, but he could address some of this shit. He could go back and update and accept some of the criticism, you know, at least in terms of, I mean, there's a couple things. A, he was in, he was, he was not an abolitionist as the play tries to say that he was. Yes. He made statements, uh, he made sort of public declarations 
against slavery, but he didn't write abolitionist stuff and he didn't write anti-slave stuff. There's a difference between the two, by the way. But in addition to that, he was an elitist prick who established a lot of institutional shit that we are still contending with today. And you have to understand all of that stuff on top yeah. of it. Again, going back to the show, it is insanely entertaining. And all, all of it's fucking great. Like, all of it's fucking great. I have some some qualms with what happens with the women. The sisters kind of right. evaporate and come back. That's another side of everybody. There's there's this whole, like, what Reddit. What women did. <laughs> yeah, there's this, like, whole Reddit culture thing where people are being like, in the sequel give the women legit roles you know and it's like don't make a sequel first of all that's yeah don't um that's ridiculous but but like it's true the skylar sister it's pretty lame um philippa sue uh i saw her in amelie the musical another terrible musical that did not need to be made the musical yeah it was absolute horse shit i saw it at the amundsen and then it went to broadway it was absolutely shit uh but she was good she had a good voice um she's and, got a beautiful voice yeah and i know people really love their songs uh and peggy is very funny to i i've the amount of uh small uh people who while i'm uh small children while i'm teaching them will just randomly say and peggy <laughs> ridiculous like they just say it out loud and you're just yeah. like okay and then you just like move on it's ridiculous. Um, can I throw something at y'all that I found interesting? Yeah. Sure. Uh, in a New York Magazine interview, Miranda uh, said that the biggest influence on Hamilton was Aaron Sorkin's The West Wing. Mm. And his reason was the amount of information that Aaron Sorkin packs into a scene mm. gives me the courage to trust the audience to keep up, which I agree. I think there is courage in that uh, to keep up. Does this stick with West Wing? I don't know. But so he also takes song lyrics from the script of the West Wing. Here we go. In the Skylar Sisters song, Angelica sings, Eliza, I'm looking for a mind at work. A reference to the Sam Seaborn scene, the uh, Rob Lowe scene, where he says, uh, before I look for anything, I look for a mind at work. And then in Would Be Enough, Eliza sings, so long as you come home at the end of the day, that would be enough. Which also, that song, that's, well, we can talk about that. But a reference, uh, that's a reference to President Bartlett, Michael Sheen. Is it Michael Sheen? It is Michael Martin, Sheen. Martin Sheen. Bar Martin Sheen. Martin, Martin, Martin Sheen. Martin. Michael Martin, Sheen's Martin Sheen. uh, Welsh actor. That's right. Sorry, Martin, Martin Sheen. <laughs> uh, but he tells his daughter, Ellie, who I believe is played by uh, Handmaid's uh, Tale Girl. Uh, yeah, and Mad Elizabeth Men's. Moss. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss, Moss the, yeah. the 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 Scientologist. Um, <laughs> she says she was born into it. I feel bad Don't for her. Don't do but, it, Elizabeth. Uh, she says the only thing you ever had to do. He says to her, the only thing you ever had to do to make me happy was come home at the end of the day. Um, and then when Lin Manuel Miranda took his final curtain call and his final Broadway performance uh, as Hamilton, they played the West Wing theme song while he bowed. I mean, there's there's far worse writers to try and emulate or <laughs> that's true, I mean, honestly, true. I mean that did, there's a great story I just read the other day about um, Sorkin's um, uh, the Facebook script, social network script 
Yeah. And the, the, the studio was like, you have to cut this down. It was like crazy, like 220 page screenplay. And they're like, no way you can't, it's gotta be two hours. It has to be two hours. So David Fincher, uh, recorded Aaron Sorkin reading his script um, and he did it in exactly two hours, like because he understood what the pacing uh, was and uh-huh. how to how to how to crank through that dialogue. Da, 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 da. And it is it's it's actually a great way to relay a lot of information and personalize that information and make that information uh, resonate because of of the character delivering it. Yeah, right. Are we going to get Aaron Sorkin on the show? We're going to get Aaron Sorkin. Absolutely. <laughs> um, he does mushrooms. Maybe we can get him to that's true. do mushrooms. And, and stuff mushrooms. <laughs> and stuff. <episode. laughs> mushrooms with Aaron Sorkin. Um, oh, my God. That'd be we would get well. 27 reviews on in, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Some performances that stand out for me. One is David Diggs. Mm-hmm. I think he's I have a man phenomenal. crush on David Diggs. Like yeah, nobody's business. He's phenomenal. He's sexy. He's, he's fucking badass. He's when he's wonderful. Thomas Jefferson, he's giving me Prince. He's giving me, uh, which I think is kind of what he based it on. Like he's just he's phenomenal, and he's he's got a little bit of a film career. He's been mm-hmm. popping up in things. I hope he gets more. We'll see. He's on that show. He's on the show Snowpiercer. Oh, uh, is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah I've only a watched show. a couple episodes, but. Uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's great. He's really, you know, he's awesome. Gotta say my favorite now. Who who else? Who? Leslie. Oh. Leslie Odom Jr.? Whose voice is like butter. That has, he has my favorite, uh, he has my favorite nationwide commercial. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It makes me cry. It's 30 seconds long and his voice makes me cry. (laughs) It's so good. He needs to be doing more film. He's got a, he's got the look for it. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he I, just did um, what the uh, a night in Miami. Right. He was One Sam night in Miami. Cook, which yeah. is one of my favorite people of all time. Yes. Yeah. Sam uh, Cook. There's some problems surrounding him. Siege. You should Google him. But I, it's, I but have, I and there's Sam also Cook. another storyline about why he died. And right. how he died. No, I know. I'm very conflicted about it, but I yeah, love him. But I am a huge so Sam much. Cook stan all yeah, day, every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I was yeah, born by the talk, river. And talk about tent. mixing two of my favorite performers like together in one movie. Like a river I've been running ever since. If I had a hammer. <laughs> it's been a long, a long time. Y'all, do yourselves a favor and listen to Sam Cooke's One Night Stand at the Harlem Square Club. We it's have. It's 45 minutes long, and it's the best album you'll ever listen to. I just love uh, it. But yeah, Leslie is phenomenal. Um, a lot of people really love Jonathan Groff in this. Ah, uh, yes. I don't know if I do. Really? I think, oh. I think he was fine. Okay. I I disagree. I think yeah. he is extraordinary. Yeah. Like I think he just I, and I get it. Like he's doing a very specific thing, and if you don't dig it, I understand. Yeah. Under normal circumstances, I would imagine that I wouldn't care for him. But for whatever reason, <laughs> I think it's the songs and that, you know what it is? It's the, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Oceans Rise, Empires Fall. That, yes. that, oh. Oh, oh, my God. When he hits that His note, voice like, is clear as a like, bell. Oh, my God. No, he's, he's a singing just, motherfucker. Well, and 
like I know I mentioned in the last episode, I had heard that they had a guy that was playing King George the entire time and he was kind of a shit heel and either he quit or they fired him and then they got Jonathan and before it was just kind of this throwaway role and then he kind of made it like Well, it started as Brian Darcy James. Okay. Um and I don't know about anything negative happening with that. He just stepped off He's all here, sir. I'm gonna be tall. Yeah, and well, then he they're... stepped up to go to Broadway. But then Jonathan Groff um, left to do filming for something, and may, it might have been Mindhunter or, or mm. something like that. But then Rory O'Malley took over, and Rory O'Malley is the one that basically, I think, did it the longest. He did it for a really long time, and then they brought back Jonathan Groff for the filming of the, and everybody was sort of like, oh, shit, Rory O'Malley. But Jonathan Groff was the original... <laughs> um uh uh on on broadway so it. It, it made sense but i i i love jonathan groff actually weirdly i didn't think i did until mind hunter and then i kind of fell in love with them and started Who's getting he back in hunter he's, he's the guy Holden. He's, he's the guy, the guy. He's the really character. i mean he's kind of like the character i pay attention to the least i don't hate him but yeah. well in season two he he's kind of just this like panic attack having do in the first season it's like his story completely the second I mean, season they step away from him a little bit but okay he's fantastic um, okay that makes I, me like mindhunter even more i know right um actually and the guy who the guy who plays um ed, not ed gein what's his name ed um, kemper he's ed a loft Kemp ensemble member. is a loft ensemble member named he's Cameron. watched he's good, my choreography before correct <laughs> and then uh sunny uh, i forget his last name sunny um something or another plays Dennis Rader BTK in both seasons. He's he the one at the beginning great. of every episode. He was um, great. And uh, he did fool for love at sacred fools a couple years ago. Uh, he rented the space and did fool for love. Oh, <laughs> like new fools. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it was on theater row somewhere, but it was, I saw it there and I assumed. It I was love that little trivia factoid there. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, might as well fill some time since we're, you know, we don't have a lot to talk about, but um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know that there's anyone else that I super was drawn to. Is there anyone that you guys just really loved in this? Because oh, I, I want to say my Jackson. piece on Lynn. Oh, Chris oh Jackson. George Washington. Yeah. I mean, he's I his final his exit. Um, that final number that he has before he leaves office. Ugh, kills me. Beautiful. I just fucking amazing. I mean, again, we go back. I thought the entire cast was was phenomenal the the yeah. little wormy guy that plays the dude in like the, the the white dude who's like at the debate scene the first time that uh, hamilton debates somebody at the, at the in the first act right right uh, like just everybody all those little uh chorus roles i just thought were fantastic in it i did i i didn't hate on anybody except for um and even i didn't hate him it's just He's just so self-aware is Lin-Manuel in this role. So that's my thing. I, I've said this on the podcast before. When it first came out, we talked about it a little bit. I don't remember what miniseries that was. Yeah, I was trying to look that up today. Couldn't find it. Yeah, I, guess, I don't know. I guess we should just look up the date of when the Disney Plus one dropped. Well, it was 4th of July, and I tried to look it up, and I just couldn't find it. Well, I couldn't find it in my notes anyway. Yeah, I don't know. It was early on, and we, we talked about it a little bit. And the problem I have with Lynn, I don't... I Watching that filmed version of Hamilton, I was just like, dude, you are so aware of your own phenomenon. And I 
and maybe that's a jealousy envious thing it might be but to me i just like couldn't let go of it i it always felt like he had this epicness whereas david diggs and and anthony ramos and, and leslie all are just so cool and casual on stage and every time lynn is there he's got this like i am the hero of my story i am the hero of my story i might like, okay brother <laughs> i might do that if i wrote my own musical that i that's the problem and it was such a hit on broadway Agre exactly i might do that too <laughs> I would too. <laughs> I That's probably do that in serial killers and I don't even write any of that stuff. Right. I did it. No, I did it in Basil and Dick so because important. I was just always like, oh, this is my thing. Ah, I get but it. That's my, my problem though. Cast someone Basil else. Basil and Dick. And Lynn is, is a lot of people's favorite part of Hamilton, He's I guess. my favorite part. I, d I don't I, like it. I like his performance. I like his... I like his voice because it's it's a voice that I've never heard a voice like that before, and it right. stands out to me. It always sounds a bit flat to me, and it, or like nasally to me, and that it is. It's very Fallwood. Throws me yeah. off a little bit, but I can usually forgive that. I just I I just want to see somebody else playing the role. I would love to see a tour. I, I would love and, to see. Yeah, and it's it it's a criticism that came early on that uh, he doesn't have he doesn't personify the character that he wrote. He doesn't right. quite get him. He plays him as kind of this nice, humble guy who, who gets a little fired up sometimes and he misses yeah. sort of the the there's a quote hold on let me find it real quick oh the real hamilton was a mass of contradictions an immigrant who sometimes distrusted immigrants a revolutionary who placed his supreme value on law and order a man who distrusted the rumblings of the masses yet preached his politics to them more frequently and passionately than many of his more democra democracy friendly fellow fellows and i thought that that was an interesting thing that he does it's there, there is no complexity of the character. He does some, uh, excuse me, he misses the complexities of the character. So when we see him, like you kind of, when he has the affair, you're kind of like, oh, Hamilton, yeah. you had an affair. Instead of being Hamilton, you dumb motherfucker. Like right. you're one of the most brilliant, like you didn't know that this could happen. You dumbass. Like, Do y'all know the musical 1776? Yes, I do. I don't, but I have a funny story about it. <laughs> Do tell. Um, I had a director in high school that was very, like, he was very crazy about people eating and drinking backstage. Like, if he found out you were eating and drinking backstage, he would pull you down center and yell at you for a minute because everyone should know. So anyway, uh, and it was because you found out that he, and he always did the community theater. He directed 1776. And one night they rolled out Thomas Jefferson's desk and there was a Coca-Cola can on it. <laughs> wow. Uh. <laughs> That's my 1776 story. That's it. Great. Uh, not a theater nightmare, but it, it would not make the list if that was for the next and stuff. Mine is but way worse. I'm going to make y'all do... And, and stuff on 1776. Okay, oh, I'd I, love to. I'm all over it. I've, the I'd movie is great. Uh, William... Uh, William Daniels. Uh, Daniels, uh, a.k.a. Mr. Feeney. Uh, a.k.a. Plays the voice of Kit the car in Knight Rider. Kit the car in Knight Rider. He is uh, John Adams, and it is one of my favorite 
musicals because it's also really bad. And I, but I love it. And there is this side to John Adams that you really fall in love with, even though it's kind of a silly musical. And he's always writing back and forth with his his wife or his girlfriend. I think it's his wife. His wife, and Abigail. Yeah, Abigail. And that is almost a better version. I don't want to say of Hamilton because that's not true, but it's a better version of the Alexander Hamilton character of the hero of the story. And right, yeah, I mean, yeah, I love that musical. We're going to talk about it, so, it. I love it so much. Like it's also well, shit. And, it's also terrible. That's the best part. You know. Oh, I disagree. I think there's a lot of redeeming stuff. <laughs> in it. It's hard. I've seen it so many times done by a community theater where I'm just sort of like, I don't know. This is. This is bad. You shouldn't be doing this. You don't understand pace, and that's that's. It's just one of the oh, shows that I think is. Can you're saying be productions fun. of it. I, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, but yeah. I mean, and see, that's an interesting thing because the those are probably the clearest vision that we have of our of our founding fathers comes from the exchange of letters between John Adams and Abigail Adams. Right. Like literally tens upon tens of thousands of letters between the two of them because she was his confidant. He trusted her implicitly. So she could read these people. She had a complete read on Thomas Jefferson and what buttons to press politically and how to, to work on that. And it was a great little thing to pull and put into that musical, A, to bring a woman char- a, a woman char- another woman character into the show, but to have that be his escape from that tight little room that he's stuck in while they debate the Declaration of Independence. Anyway, digression. digressions. I had a voice teacher for 11 years that told me, she's like, listen, everyone says 1776 is great, but there's only three women in it, so you don't need it. And so I never got into it. No, that's yeah. another f- stupid part of it. I would I, I would say it. the only way to do it now for and make it really good would be to completely Some fun uh, crazy casting yeah gender blind cast it, it does have to be all white unless you want to do a hamilton thing too that's the other annoying thing no so, i think you yeah i mean that's how i've always wanted to do it is just we'd have to gender we'd have to talk gender. about it yeah because just like ishmael reed is saying like casting uh you know a person of color as a slave owner doesn't always feel so great so yeah. what we would have to discuss it, Scott, before we produce it. Well, we um, should discuss yeah. it first. And just one <laughs> one other thing about it: somebody somebody who's tried to do it, it's like taking an all male choral arrangement and then rearranging it for four part you know voices. Is, yeah, it, the tenor. This part. is especially those those songs and that music. Um, but listen, molasses to rum, give it to me all day long. That song yeah. is dope. Um, do you guys have a favorite song in Hamilton? Um, I, it's funny because I've been singing fucking, uh, you'll be back, uh, all day long sure. after watching it last night. But, um, the room where it happened is the room where it happened. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what I love I, I, that I got this time that I hadn't I kind of forgot it. It's the fucking groovy little banjo riff that goes with the chorus. Yeah. It comes in it, it, the arrangement on that thing and the instrumentation on that fucking thing is insane. Um, yeah. I love that fucking song. I there I have so many that like I will put the album on and just flip to them. Like I love the opening number. I love Guns and Ships. I love um Satisfied. Mm. I love both of the cabinet battles are some of my faves. But yeah, I mean it's Yorktown is another good one. I I it's just 
I, I know I mentioned this, uh, my shot. We did that. I did it years ago for this um, musical thing that I help out with every year. And the kids pick their own music and we do all the backup. My shot is 21 pages of music. And like I stepped in to do the lead one day when we didn't have our lead singer and I was sweating and panting by the end of that song. So like, it also must be said that the performers in this musical have to be fucking athletes too at the same time. Oh yeah. Because I was just standing with the music in front of me at a music stand. They're also wearing heavy costumes and usually dancing. On a turntable. I mean... It's it's sort of the first time we've seen something go back to how Broadway kind of used to be, right? Because I think, uh, you know, Golden Age Broadway, the the songs were twenty pages long, you know, and yeah, and, and you did need that athleticism. I think that died a bit, like you know, um, throughout seventies, eighties, nineties. Once you once you sure. could start once you could start miking people, people got lazy. Correct. Right. <laughs> people got no. Lazy. That's true. Speaking that's of my true. favorite musicals, Jason Robert Brown. It's a lot of lot of stand stage center and sing type of stuff. And you absolutely. Know. Yeah, and I love that. I can't wait till we cover Jason Robert Brown. I don't know if I'm. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll wait till we cover him. We we should definitely cover JRB. Um, I just worked on a project with him. Did you guys know that? What? Oh. I can't like talk too much about it because it's not it hasn't been really I am going to bug yet, you until you tell me. That's long st- well I'll tell y'all off mic, but on on mic all I want to say and I I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say it. <laughs> that man is not a nice man. Let's say that. Oh, I was worried. But besides that, it was good work. His with shit him. is good and complicated as fuck. Correct. True. Yes. Um, anyway, I'll tell y'all. No, I can't wait to hear about it. Um, cause it was also a very good experience, even though, uh, weird things. Um, so, uh, a song that I really love is Wait For It. Mm, um, it's so good. Dear I think that one's well written. Dear Theodosia. I really, anytime Burr sings, I'm kind of just in for it. Um, oh, yeah. Leslie. Uh, but besides that, those are kind of, that's my feelings on Hamilton. I think there's a lot to talk about here. We could step through the whole thing if we wanted to, but I just, it's not. It's not really worth it. It's it's amazing that we get a Disney Plus uh, streaming version of it. It was meant to go to uh, theaters. It was meant oh, to be sure. like, in movie theaters. Obviously, it pandemic. So hit. much money. But I love how many people got brought in to see who got to see this without right. having to buy a Broadway ticket or an expensive ticket. They got to see this movie, and that's an amazing thing. Yeah, I mean that that's a big deal that <clears throat> because so many people couldn't. Right. Um, like it it. it, it the pricing is a little absurd. Like it, it is. It's, it's crazy. The, the tens of thousands of dollars are being paid for it. Ishmael not... Reed makes that point too. He's yes. very much like he, he really points at and prods at the idea of like, also this is money grubbing also like, yeah. Well, I, I don't will... think it started out as money grubbing to be fair. No, 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 like no, no, I no. think the pro the, the, the heart of it was sincere it just right, he's is, talking about uh, ticket price, though. He's not talking about Lynn. He's, right, he's right. being like, also, you're allowing this ticket price to happen when you could be showing this to the whole world kind of thing, which he is now. It's Disney+. Plus. No. I will say that um, one of my favorite things that came out of Hamilton was my favorite hashtag ever, and it was hashtag name a Pence musical. And Pence came to Hamilton like a yeah. month before the 2016 presidential. Yeah and everyone talked about it and they said something to him at the end of the show during bows and then that night twitter and facebook were afire with some of the most hilariously remade musical names ever 
It was yeah. one of my favorite nights on Twitter. <laughs> and there's also been a lot of uh, spoof of this already. There's of already course. a musical called Spamilton, uh -huh. which happened within a year of Hamilton coming out. Uh, I had a friend who played Lin-Manuel Miranda. In, in <laughs> cool. Because his name is Lin-Manuel Miranda in it. Um, and it's, it's, it's not so much of a, it's a send up, but it's not like, ripping it to shreds like Ishmael Reed's play. It's more just like, ha ha, this is a silly version of all the things you love about Hamilton. We're gonna mm. point at it, isn't this fun? Um, and people really loved that. I think it was still running even when the pandemic hit. I think that was like a big <laughs> thing. People wow. off, off Broadway. Um, yeah, anything else y'all wanna say about Hamilton? Is there anything we need to get into? Um, it won some Tony. It, what? It, won, it won all of the Tonys. It won all of the Tonys. All of the Tonys. All of it. All of it. And Olivier Awards and everything else. Like, um, I think it was a shame that a lot of that cast couldn't go to London. And it's kind of bullshitty. But I'll, I'll yeah. save that for uh, an equity conversation later. But, <laughs> well, that a London cast can come here. And then they, they only have to replace two or three people. But yeah. we can only we can only send two or three people. Like, also, hot take: London doesn't do musicals the way America does. No, no. I gotta say it right there. Well, no, it's true. Absolutely true. Um, it, did you know that? Uh, I thought Back to the Future the musical was going to Broadway. It's on the West End first. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Isn't that fucking crazy? No, it's okay. infuriating. I it's can't infuriating. wait to cover um, Back to the Future. I, I, I did have we a, will. Um, I did have a quote because this kind of get. So when I first heard that somebody was making Hamilton, I immediately got angry going, why, why would you do this? Um, why would you hold this person up? So there's a quote, it's a, he's, he's a policy analyst named Matt Stoller. And he criticized the musical's portrayal of Ham Hamilton as an idealist committed to democratic principles, in contrast to what he characterized as the historical record of Hamilton's reactionary, anti-democratic politics and legacy. For example, uh, for example, Stoller cited Hamilton as a leader involved in the Newburgh conspiracy, a military coup plot against the Continental Congress in 1783, his development of a national financial system, which, in Stoller's view, empowered the plut uh, plutocratic elite and is still going on, and his use of military force, indefinite detention, and mass arrests against dissenters during the Whiskey Rebellion of 1791. Uh, in 2007, uh, history writer William Hoagland criticized Chernow's biography of, of Hamilton on similar grounds. So it, it, that was always mystified me. And then you add in the race stuff. Oh, you know, oh, he, he didn't have, the Schuylers didn't have, it's like they literally had bodies in the backyard. Like they literally had buried slaves in the backyard that they they had. They had countless records of Schuyler and most interesting that the daughters all were participants in it. And that we have records that Alexander Hamilton purchased and sold on behalf of the family after he married into it. And um, we shouldn't we should never lose those. And like I said, I'm I'm hoping that the time will allow for not just Alexander Hamilton, but all of those forefathers to be re-examined, criticized, praised where they need to be praised, but but really called out for a lot of shit. And we all right. know what I'm talking about. So okay, yeah. 
Tony Awards. So we have, obviously, it wins uh, Best Musical. Best Book of a Musical. Lynn wins for Book, uh, Original Score. And uh, he's nominated for Best Actor in a Musical, but loses to who? Anybody know? 2017. Wait, who? What are we selling? Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh, he loses nominated. To, he loses to Leslie Odom. Correct. Oh, he loses oh, to right. Leslie. Yes. Good. Yes. <laughs> um, and then uh, best feature, uh, best actress in a musical. Uh, Philippa Sue is nominated but doesn't mm-hmm. win. Oh, um, I thought she won. She did not win. No, no. Oh, who won that um, year? I don't know. You want to look yeah, it up? Yeah. You should look it up. Look I don't it, have it up. in front of me. Um. So uh, the other thing that we didn't talk about last time, we brought up his name, Andy Blankenbuehler. He was the director choreographer of Bring It On. He did the original choreography for In the Heights. I forgot about that. Mm. Oh, right so on. Cool. He is a choreographer. He's a big choreographer. So that's why they trusted him with uh, Bring It On. He also does choreography for Hamilton and wins the Tony for it. Hmm. So this dude is a legit choreographer. We we stand for sure. Is he? You know, is his pet project "Bring It On" the smartest idea? Probably, maybe not. The chore- the stack choreography blew my feckin' mind, though. Oh yeah. Oh, well, um, and then it gets. It also gets uh, featured actress Renee Elise Goldsberry, who we didn't talk about. She, she's she's Angelica. She, she's oh, phenomenal. She, yeah. She also her. did the final performance of Rent uh, on Broadway. She was Mimi. Really? Um, yeah, there's right. a filmed version of that actually. That's pretty good. Cool. Um, and then it wins direction of a musical. Thomas Kale, uh, best lighting design. Uh, Binkley, best costume design. Paul Tazewell. Um, and the it costumes gets, are pretty great in that. It gets a scenic design uh-huh. nom, but loses. Um, and Blanken Bueller also did uh, the choreography for Bandstand, which was a really big uh, oh. choreography musical. So he's sounds big like time. it would be. Yeah, he's big time. Um, the winner of Best Lead Actress in a Musical that year was uh, uh, Cynthia uh, Arrivo for yep. Col- Color, Color Purple. Purple. Yes, of course. Oh, cool, course. cool, cool, cool. Okay. Which a lot of people felt like it got snubbed because Hamilton was this powerhouse and people were just like, whoa. Sure. What about... Okay, and then people felt like that's what Dear Evan Hansen was going to do, and it, it kind of did, but not so much, which was which was great. Um, all right, so anything else you guys want to say about Hamilton? No. No. It wins a Grammy. It wins a Grammy. Best it, musical theater I, album. It's probably going to win an Emmy coming up this in a few weeks. Right, probably, yeah. Name um, droppy shit. I had a friend that was in the same uh, recording studio when Lynn was working on this shit with the roots. Oh, really? Very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. What's the next thing? It just seems to me that, Bailey, you have an issue. Um, you've been very public about it. It's yeah. it's something you love. I feel it could also destroy you. It's an obsession uh, at this point. It's an obsession. and um, Obsession is not just a perfume. Listen, I, it is not. Or, or a cologne. Or a toilette uh, water. Um, the toilet, the toilet, the toilet. <laughs> Bailey, you like ranking shit. I don't like it. I don't like it. I love it. Bailey loves ranking shit. Okay, so uh, CJ, you go first. Three, two, one. Bring it on, Hamilton in the Heights. Actually, I'm gonna make us add. Ishmael reads The Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda into this, just to hear where you put it. Where okay. would you put it in that list? 
I guess I'd put it at three. So bring it on Haunting of Hamilton in the Heights. Okay. Scott? Man, it's... Uh, fuck. It's really fucking hard. Yeah, I was kind of wishing you guys were going to go before me to be Because uh, I don't feel good about that right too now. Too bad! I, <laughs> I, I, I think I have to go with CJ's list. I think I have to to go that way because in the Heights makes me feel good. And I don't, I, I don't ponder and get conflicted about other shit. And okay, good. That's how I, and, <laughs> and, and Hamilton, I love, I love, I love, I love, but, uh, but I get conflicted by shit. Yeah. That's the list. There's no other list. It's, it's, it's bring it on on the bottom. It's not good. Uh, in theory, it should be. It ha- it's it's got the math problem should equal equal of a masterpiece. Honestly, you got a lot of good names on there. You, Did but it you come have to out have, good? No. You have to have somebody. You have to have somebody who loves that idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nobody yeah, did. Every, all of those people were just hired guns, and yeah. what you yeah. got was a product. Not good. And then Ishmael Reed's book, I mean, the play is is interesting. It's better than Bring It On. We can say that. Uh, Travis, we appreciate you uh, suggesting that to us. I I think I got a lot out of it. And and I'm glad, well, I'm glad I got into his writing and his articles and the, yes, my criticism of the play is is just you know you're 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 throwing a theory out and you're. It's That's what I was not, gonna say. It's, it's it's too simple. It's too on the nose. I don't need it. I would rather read his articles. I think it's an interesting piece. Uh, do I think it should be produced? No. It. Who cares? Like. No. Cares? It's a, it's one of those shows that like you know. Uh, well, we'll see how long you can do it before it just becomes nothing. But it'd be a cool show to I would go to a reading of. Sure. sure oh, sure. there's a reading. Oh, cool. Can I'd I, see it at a black box theater. Yeah, sure. Like yeah. 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 I, I would see it at a fringe fest and then I would walk out going, wow, that playwright was really frustrated by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And yeah. then it'd be over with. So I that's how I feel. OK, um, those are the only rankings. There's no other answers. Um, do you guys have a dream role in any of this? Well, there's not really too much any of us can play. Well, I mean, there's there's the king, there's King George. Uh, I, if, if 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 you, you shot if you shot my neck full of steroids, I'd never in a million years would be able to sing that part. Got it. Um, so, I, I will say, like when I first heard Hamilton and loved it so much, I said the two musicals that I would love to be in, at least ensemble wise, I couldn't be in, and that's Book of Mormon and Hamilton. Like I always used to make the joke of like going up to Lynn and just being like, "Can I please just sing backup vocals off stage?" Because I just it's another musical that's like as as an I would love to just sit in the rehearsal room and learn parts for the ensemble, to be honest. Yeah. What about uh, you, Bells? No, absolutely not. I have no dream roles. Uh, no dream roles. <laughs> um, I don't want to be in any of this stuff. Maybe I would be in uh, I would I would take the role of Campbell in Bring It On to give it like <laughs> true camp. Like, right. Like play the lead young girl high school girl and bring it on besides that no uh let's insert that shit let's uh talk about this uh, <laughs> you, you insert that shit sir dear sir dear sir la spotlight la spotlight that's what i meant awesome um uh more of the same from last week please forgive us for being uh so redundant but sp805 is basically california theater los angeles theater in particular uh is at an apocalypse point and there's only going forward going back help us fix it 
help us fix it uh, by supporting SB805. Uh, basically, what SB805 does is provide funding uh, for smaller theaters and arts organizations. So if you're into dancing, if you're into after-school programs for kids, all these things that used to have volunteers, now the law says that those volunteers have to be paid, um, depending on the structure of organizations. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it gets complicated. But... SB805 will help provide funding for that, and a lot of people have been working very hard at it. Um, if you could, please like and follow at SB805CA, California, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Again, that's at SB805CA. Um, and just like and share this stuff. A big shout out to uh, State Senator uh, Rubio for all of her advocacy and all of her support of small organizations. Let's get these bills signed. Uh, also, uh, if you live in LA, check out Code Pink at the Loft Ensemble. We just talked about Loft Ensemble. They're doing amazing stuff there. Um, it's written and directed by Adam okay. Chambers and Jana Lee Hamblin uh, with additional writings from the cast. Uh, it's Saturdays at 8 p.m., Sundays at 7 p.m. It's pay what you want. You pay could what just, you want. Uh, you could just walk in there if you wanted to. Loftensemble.org. Right. What else? Also in LA, getting uh, national attention from the New York Times, the LA Times, a whole bunch of other stuff. NPR uh, is An Octoroon by Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. It's directed by Judith Moreland. Uh, we've got some friends in it. It's running through September 19th. Tickets are going fast. It's really selling out. Go see it. Finally, on July 24th, Playwrights Arena is producing a brand new play by Daniel A. Olivas. Uh, it's called Waiting. Go see it. It's going to be at the Atwater Village Theater. Uh, you can check more information out at playwrightsarena.org. Thank you for your time. Thank you all so much for joining us for part two of Freestyle Podcast Supreme. Join us next week for part three. Yes. And you what? Done. You thought we were all done, but we do have a very special episode. Uh, it's a, basically a bonus episode where I'm going to have two very special guest hosts of the podcast, Sophia Macias and Stephanie Gomez. Uh, they both have a lot of uh, uh, context with Lynn and have been in his shows and have a lot to say. So they've uh, they're going to come on the show. And they're going to talk gonna about it. Amazing. We're going to be amazing. Also, that gives us a week to keep collecting for the next. Mm stuff because the next mm stuff is a Bailey pick and I chose theater nightmares so we need you guys to send your theater nightmares true things that happen to you nightmarish things that happen to you we'll read them we'll tell some of our own send them to us DM them to us whatever you can do and then after we finish that we're moving on to our next playwright if anyone can guess send it to our DMs we said it last <laughs> time we'll say it again this week and next week hopefully I will be able to uh, uh, announce a winner the name of the miniseries is Top Pod Under Pod. <laughs> Questions, comments, suggestions, corrections? Do you just want to tell us how pretty we are? You can't see us, but you know we are by our voices. Um, you can email us, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or the Twitter. Scott! Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Pam Quinn for writing our... Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda-centric song, which you're about to listen to. Uh, thanks so much, Pam, is one of our favorites, and she's frequently on our show, and we love her. Also, a big shout-out and thank you to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our stingers 
and our theme song. And here's a truth, and you're going to have to deal with it. Our theme song is better than your theme song. It's true. And finally, uh, to the great Annie Baker, Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, who also writes all of our episodes. She doesn't know it, but she does. And one day, Annie Baker, we're going to buy you a beer. I'll get you a burger, too. She's I vegan. Guess. Now you've, <laughs> now you've I'll get you her. an impossible know. burger, Annie. She's vegan and gluten free. She's not going to have beer with us either. God it's fuck fine. it. She's in LA. We'll get her something that works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Please go rate, subscribe, and review, or all three. That would help us a lot. Reviews really do help, y'all. They really do. Here, here. Come on. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Just chastising people. Just chastising. Yell at this point. <sighs> Yeah, that's uh, that's all we got. Oh, as always, mouths and butts are the same thing. <laughs> mouths and butts. I got nothing. It must be nice. It must be nice. Yeah. That's all I got. If I I've could got... touch your body. And Peggy. <laughs> and Peggy. Best musical ending ever. Later, everybody. Bye. A Puerto Rican born during winter in the 80s. Writer, rapper, actor, singer, one of two babies. He wrote that Hamilton before that in the Heights. Such a baller. Grew up to be a hero like a scholar. His own father was a doctor. And then his mother was ecstatic about democratics. And then his sister was a lot smarter. Was a self-starter CFO. (laughs) Bet that's something you didn't know And every day he'd sit in and stay late at school Writing and humming his cares away On a show we'd come to know As in the heights would soon be up in lights The brother was ready to beg, steal, borrow, or barter Then 2002 came, Miranda would reign He revised it, then it went live 2005 put a pencil to his temple connected it to his brain and he wrote another show the one we'd all come to know cause the word got around we said this kid is insane man tony wins in nominations put him on the map man the moana music mary poppins he did reclaim and the world knows and loves his name He is Lin-Manuel Miranda And there's a million things he's done And that he's still gonna do